How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, here we go. One, two. One. One. Two ones. Oh. 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 That was a two. You said two one. No, two. I said two ones. No one like, says it like that. Okay, well, I say I think you broke my nose. I think I broke my nose, you dick. How am I a dick? dick? You messed up the call. Nobody calls two ones. You say one one. I don't see how this is my fault. You're the one who punched me in the face. Okay, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. Yeah, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. Okay, I'm bleeding. Can you get me a towel? Just go grab me a towel. Yeah, I'll, I'll let me grab that for you. Do you want me to use two hands? Should I use one hand? Oh, he's funny. How do you really want me to go on about this there? Oh, he's there? funny. Sire. Oh, God. Oh, God, your nose is a wreck. Okay, your, your face is a wreck. I'm bleeding. I'm Kyle Moore, and welcome back to The Wreck. This is the podcast where we celebrate a world more mental and destigmatize all things mental health through sharing stories and having a good old chat. Uh, if at any point today you're listening to today's episode and you're thinking, wow, today's guest, which which you will think this, today's guest is fantastic. I want to hear more from this person. Uh, or maybe you've thought this about other episodes. You've thought, wow, I really want to hear an extended interview with this person. I want that exclusive look behind the curtain. I want to see more. 
Well, you're, you're in luck. Now you can go check out our Patreon. Uh, the link will be in the description. And uh, the funds help support uh, all the work we're doing over here at Life's Rec. Uh, so uh, if you want to check out that, uh, as I said, link in description. Or you can go uh, over to at Life's Rec Podcast on Instagram. And uh, the information will be in the link in our description there as well. I am profoundly proud uh, to share the the conversation that I had with today's guest with all of you today. Um Truly just one of those conversations where you sit down with a person and for, you know, for an hour, you, you really connect on such a, such a wonderfully human level. Um, I, I, the conversation itself was, was powerful. It was authentic. It was intimate. It it really, it truly embodied um, what I find so beautiful about this project, about this podcast, this community, um, it was it was truly fantastic. The person, you know, the the person I was very fortunate enough um, to sit down across and and share in this wonderful conversation with uh, a truly special human being and somebody I, I've come to to know over the past couple of months. And I'll tell you all about them in a second. Um, but before we get into it today, I just want to send. I just want to send some love to the listeners who um, have been affected by the forest fires uh, in the East Coast. Um, being a Halifax resident and somebody who's from uh, New Brunswick, uh, there have been two forest fires that have happened in the past week that have affected um, communities that I that I care so much about. And um, you, you certainly feel it uh, in the day-to-day goings-on that there are so many people out there who are hurting right now. And um, you know, to those people, I just want to say I cannot imagine what you're going through. I just, I just, I'm so thankful that, you know, I, I hope that you're listening to this in a, in a place that you're safe, that your loved ones are safe. This is something that I, I, yeah, I'm sending you so much love because that's, that's a, a an experience that, um, we, we literally talked about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, my, my sister was on the podcast and she was talking about the, the, you know, trauma that came from, from being in a fire and having to, you know, evacuate an area and, uh, and you know, seeing, but uh, like in Kate's own words, um, seeing a part of her, you know, burn and and be destroyed, and um, so uh, sending sending everybody who's who's listening to this, just a big a big hug through the mic, because uh, yeah, that's it's a very it's a tough experience. <laughs> There's no other real way to shake it. And uh, to the first responders who are who are you know putting in so much work to controlling these fires and getting uh, getting these communities to a place where they're able to uh, start to to heal and grieve and and rebuild and get back to normal. Um, thank you from from the bottom of my heart for all that you uh, all that you do. Uh, there was an area in New Brunswick as well that uh, you know very very near uh, to my home that uh, experienced a forest fire this past week as well. So. To everybody who's listening, um, just know that uh, you're very much uh, in my thoughts. You're in the community's thoughts, and um, yeah, sending so much love your way. In the description of this episode, I've included uh, a link to the Red Cross's wildfire response page. Um, on that page, you'll find all of the information that you need. Uh, if you need shelter, um, if you need crisis support, um, they've got checklists for rebuilding. They've got checklists. Uh, for you know what you can uh, you know how you can help support people who have have uh, been displaced by the forest fires um, so it's a really great resource would highly recommend checking it out and uh, if if there's any kind of drives happening in your neighborhood whether it's clothes drives uh, food drives anything like that um, you know make sure to participate let's all do our part to, to make sure that we uh, are able to um, help our neighbors out and uh, and get them back to a place where they uh, are, are home Truly, in every sense of the word.
So uh, thinking about you all and uh, very much in the, the thoughts of everybody here uh, in the Life Strike community. So today, um, it is it is truly a, a profound honor uh, to introduce you to today's guest, uh, an entrepreneur, a researcher, a public speaker, uh, Michael Deveni. Michael is somebody who I was actually introduced to through Karn. So you may have you may have um, listened to the episode uh, "The Future of Mental Health in Canada," where I interviewed. Uh, nice, get a little uh, little laptop noise there. We're gonna leave it in. This is life's wreck. You gotta you gotta roll with the punches. But uh, I interviewed Karn for that episode. Karn Nichols, she's the executive director of CMHA in Nova Scotia, and I had actually reached out to Karn um, for. Uh, a, a project that I was working on for my day job and my day job, I work with youth entrepreneurs. I'm very proud of the work that I, I get to do. Very fortunate. And uh, one of the things that um, I'm so um, passionate about is being able to provide mental health supports and uh, mental health education uh, to these young entrepreneurs that I work with. And so I had reached out to Karn, um, CMHA, the Canadian Mental Health Association does so much incredible programming, would highly recommend checking out their website. I'll include that link in the description as well. And, uh, and, and Karin is doing some really, really fantastic work with CMHA Nova Scotia. So I had reached out to her and I said, hey, I want to put this presentation together. I would really love if you'd be a part of it. And she introduced me to Michael. So uh, Michael came in and uh, I was, you know, in the first like, you know, when you, you have that opportunity where you sit down with somebody and in the first 10 minutes, you're like, that's my kind of people. You know, that's that's the kind of person that um, I, I, you know, you, you just... You, you want to learn more about you want to you want to listen to them learn from them um michael's just a just a really fantastic person and so anyway we were we were working on this project together and um i just thought you know i would love to share his story i think that it's a you know when he was talking with these young entrepreneurs and he was sharing a story with them the response and the like the the emotional embrace that took place was was amazing and so anyway i i couldn't get michael on the podcast fast enough so anyway we um you know we, we sat down we had this conversation michael invited me out to his beautiful home and uh, we sat down and we explored you know we we explored childhood trauma um we explored surviving abuse and sexual violence we talked about the healing process the therapeutic process it was truly one of those conversations that I would describe as a beautiful one. It's not one of the life strike episodes where you know you're gonna you can you know you listen to it while you're working out. I mean, hey, granted, I'm listen. I'm not gonna stop you. I don't want you to turn this podcast off if you're if you're working out or something. But I I imagine a conversation like this to be listened to um, when you kick back and you've got some time to yourself. You go on a nice stroll. You grab a cup of tea, something like that. Um, because it's just it's just like it's it's the kind of podcast that when I was editing it, when I was going back and re-listening to the conversation, I'm grabbing sound bites and clips and all that kind of stuff. You like it, it there was a few moments that I just kind of, I just was sitting and listening and there were some edits I needed to make. And I just let them, you know, I let them flow past because I was like, I am so engaged in this, in, in the authenticity, um, that was like flowing through, uh, the, the speakers. It was, it was a really great conversation. So anyway, I, it was, um, yeah, you know, in in that healing process, like I'm just listen. You'll hear all the conversation. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, sit here and basically uh, spoil it all for you. Um, but uh, without further ado, I'd like you. To, I'd like to introduce you uh, to to Michael. Michael's research in the field of entrepreneurial wellness has resulted in like numerous 
published articles and established him as a thought leader in the space. Uh, building on the success of the Mindset Project, this is the, the work that he shared with the, the entrepreneurs um, that I work with, Michael founded Work Insights, which is a custom business analytics program that helps organizations understand their working environment and capacity for innovation, growth, and wellness, and Mindset EX to expand the offering of customized consulting for organizational capital. He's a fantastic person with a story that we're lucky enough to share in today. Michael, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Uh, it's been it's been a tough couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like it's just not uh, not one of the best times of my life. Yeah, for sure. Well, do you uh, feel comfortable on uh, talking about kind of what's been? What's been a little bit uh, different, let's say. Yeah, I, I write about it every Sunday, so I'm comfortable talking about okay, it. Um, I spent a lot of, I spent most of my life not talking about anything that was going on or had happened to me. So I find in the last probably eight years, I've changed completely around and now I talk about everything. Mm-hmm. And I made a number of changes that I really felt needed to be made and how I work and um, that's had some surprising outcomes for me. Um, it's the first time I've ever worked on my own and, uh, I've had, um, people working with me my entire career, mm-hmm. uh, business partners, people and teams, and all of a sudden I'm on my own. And, uh, I have to say I'm struggling a bit to, uh, try to find a, try to find some type of stability with that. What is it about the the solo work that you find challenging? Because I know for me in my life, like there's been parts of my life where working alone was so tough because, you know, I, it was hard to be around myself at times like that. And, you know, I just I'm always so curious when people kind of talk about different work styles and the challenges that they may face with that, like like where the kind of root of that may lie. Um, a lot of it comes down to I don't like structure, but I need mm. structure mm. and I really wanted to be in a position where I didn't have a lot of commitments because at the same time I'm I'm withdrawing from a medication I've been on for 14 years and Mm. this is like a two-year process which I understand what it's going to be like I've tried before and it's it's not pretty yeah and I just didn't want I didn't want what was going to go on with me to impact other people around me so I thought the best thing to do would be uh, working on my own and doing it that way and but what I'm finding of course is that uh, I have a tendency more than ever to isolate Um, the anxiety that I have always had is far more intense than than it's been in the past Mm -hmm. and um, I find I unravel a lot Uh, this last week was horrendous just with uh the ruminations gone wild and panic attacks and passing out from just everything and the challenge i find is that i'll start fixating on something it Mm. turns into this obsessive quest for whatever it is and Mm. it's usually about something that hasn't happened yet and who knows what's going to (laughs) happen the beauties of living in the future and the past oh yeah struggling for the present trying to change something that hasn't even happened and uh i just don't have the interactions i used to have to Mm -hmm. kind of distract me yeah so this week was tough um i i always refer to as losing part of my life like uh 
I know uh, Tuesday was one of those days that just something triggered me um, and I just went off the deep end and I did for once like just say take the day uh, which which I did good and that's something I haven't done the past although wasn't really a decision I had the choice in because like (laughs) there was no there was no work coming out of me and yeah um, I mean I'm lucky I've got projects I'm working on so it's not that I don't have work to do it's that mm-hmm. yeah I'm missing I'm missing a bit of the structure and yeah. there's a lot of other changes happening at the same time so um yeah how am I not great yeah yeah well, honestly I think you know I, I, I appreciate the fact that you'll just say that because I think it's so often with especially with men you know we this idea of how are you yeah it's the the big f word it's not it's not fuck it's fine like it's uh, yeah i'm fine oh yeah everything's all right you know sure no i'm doing okay and just being able to you know sit down and chat and just say yeah shit's not really going you know how i wish it was going is in itself like a very powerful thing so i, I just appreciate the uh the openness and the honesty because it, it means a lot i've been there plenty of times in my life as well where people have asked me the same question and it's like just being able to be like not ideal, you know, <laughs> not exactly where I want to be is a, is a thing. I spent a lot of time being fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is really just suppressing everything. And uh, no, I find now it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what changed? Oh, I, uh, so many years ago, I went through um, a massive depression. And uh, I've, I've had anxiety and depression throughout my entire life and Mm -hmm. that goes way back so when you ask a question it's a long answer um (laughs) hey we got we got we got time (laughs) so that goes way back to um so i was uh molested uh by two different uh people um when i was five and also then from age seven to ten and uh at that time there was really no one to talk to yeah Uh, my parents were lovely people they just did not feel comfortable showing affection so there was never any hugging there was never any i love you there's no tucking Mm -hmm. in nothing like that so i had no one uh to turn to so of course i turned to myself went up into my head and learn to survive and yeah. when I went to high school um, things had stopped um, but then I was bullied and uh, just one thing after another eh? yeah and that yeah. was for six long and I will use the F word fucking years yeah, can, and yeah. uh, at that time I'm one of those people I, I always knew I was gay I mm. always knew it the being molested really did a number on me as to yeah. what that meant and for a long time I thought that I I was the one who had um, almost initiated it but like yeah, which is all too common amongst young survivors of, of yeah. abuse like that and I look now like when I see um, I've got a six year old uh, god uh, child mm-hmm. it's, no it's not yeah. possible yeah and but when I got to high school, I thought everyone knew, mm-hmm. and so I was constantly hit by the the crew, um, and you know, fag, queer, homo, um, all those things. So I just learned to keep my head down. So 
I suppressed everything for years. Um, how I got through my childhood has huh. always been a question for me. Yeah. And then I actually made it to university, and uh, things went well for me. I got a job before I even graduated. Um, I had two pretty serious bouts of depression, which, of course, I tried to hide as much as I could. I was there in university as well. Yeah. It's a tough, again, there is... Developmental time, a lot of transitions happening in your life. And and confused as to who I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I get hired... should I fit into? Well, yeah. yeah. What what mask do I put on this time? Mm. And um, I was hired right into the investment industry. And... Luckily, like, yeah, I am, I am smart. I mm-hmm. will say that. So that paid off for me in many ways. And um, highly competitive industry where your numbers are constantly in front of everybody and being gay was not acceptable at all. So I learned to simply suppress yeah. and drinking um mm plenty of recreational drugs, all kinds of things. All the, and the, the typical numbings. Everything yeah. to just pretend that I was okay, that yeah. I was fine. And again, no one ever asked a deeper question. Mm. And uh, I had a lot of... Did you Were, were you in therapy at this time? Because when you say <laughs> you didn't ask the, the deeper question, I mean, did you kind of seek that out? That is one of the, always the biggest... Um, you always look back and wonder what the fuck um, yeah. so I uh, went through a a serious depression when I was around 32 mm-hmm. and that was the first time it was really difficult to hide uh, what was going on I, I love that the you know I've been to the mood disorder clinic quite a few times and mm-hmm. comment they made I was I was a high functioning depressive I thought well that's a lovely term love that um, <laughs> you just keep trucking you know <laughs> yeah, so just throw it at me and yeah. uh, I um, so I went started going to a therapist then and I went through 10 different therapists and what stuns me is that none of those therapists ever did the uh, question you would have thought they would have asked tell me about your childhood which is just like it's, you want to talk about the most bare bones like you know I feel like that's that's psychology 101 first day of <laughs> first day of school so no one ever asked that's and there was tough. a lot of um, cognitive behavioral theory things like this yeah, like yeah. Uh, which did absolutely dick for me and um as they say like whatever you're running from will eventually catch you Always, and yeah. caught me about eight years ago and i just completely broke down yeah um i'd gone to by chance a group therapy session which um was probably one of the, my best decisions mainly because the therapist there or a psychiatrist wasn't really supportive but like what do you you mean um she's not gonna hug you and uh (laughs) and they're not supposed to anyway i know that but um she's she was more about teaching than than feeling sure but she asked the question Mm. And she was the first one who asked the question. What, what did that mean to you when you heard that question for the first time? Scared out of my, like, scared shitless. Because, mm. like, I had hidden that. I had tucked that in so deep. I always, always, always knew what happened to me. But I was able to suppress it. I even went through high school with 
one of the people who molested me. Um, oh he God. was older than I was, and I had to see him on a daily basis for, for nearly four years. Wow. And he never acknowledged me. Um, and, uh, you know, the last, you know, it happened over three years, mm -hmm. but I still remember the very last thing he said to me that uh, I was so fat, ugly, and unlovable, he didn't even want me. Oh, my so God. This is what this is what was stuck in my oh. head. And going my through... Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Well, going through high school and, you know, really being from tormented to tortured. Yeah. I believed it. Yeah. So yeah. I believed there was no one that would ever be there for me. I was mm. very nervous about friendships mm. because always suspecting that there's a threat somewhere. Naturally. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So when she asked the question... I think she hit me at the right time mm. um, because it had been it had been building up. Um, oh, I can imagine. When I had uh, I had another. Were you aware that it was building up? Did you were there warning signs or just oh, all over the place? Mm. Um, I was struggling. Uh, I had worked uh, with a business partner. We ended up working together for thirty years, mm. and wow. his, his kids are all my godchildren. So mm. we had a very tight relationship. He was like a brother to me. Yeah, but yet. He knew absolutely nothing. Wow. I never shared anything. And I do look back, his wife and I were out one night uh, having a few drinks and walking on the way back. I remember clearly standing in front of Park Victoria, uh, the old hotel there, and uh, or uh, apartment building. She asked me something, and it was almost, almost I was going to tell her. Mm. And I didn't. Mm. And I look back and think, what would have happened if I had just said, yeah. "Here it is," because they they would have helped. And mm. um, but when I had a I had a depression when I was probably in my later thirties too, that mm. was quite serious. And my answer was to start another business. Yes. Yeah. So if I could work sixty to seventy hours a week, just be consumed by that, mm. then well, you never have to think about anything. Never have to. Yeah. But at that time, it was unraveling. I found it hard to to manage everything, and I was definitely getting pretty snappy mm. with, with people. Yeah, and starting to withdraw. And uh, um, I went through uh, a depression at that time, which got me into group therapy, and then it just all came out. And yeah. I went into a much deeper uh, depression after course, that, when it all yeah. hit. Yeah. But uh, the yeah. psychiatrist, as I mentioned, wasn't really um, the the warm type. Yeah, and a care bear of a psychiatrist. Well, like after I started talking about it, mm -hmm. she then said, so our sessions are done and <laughs> uh, you'll need to find another therapist and thinking, Wait a minute. I just told you this just, thing this that like been, this is yeah exactly like forty years or oh whatever building and you're the you're first person on. you say it to is just yeah that 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 because um, I mean from the psychiatrist's point of view it's like well this is a you know fairly daily yeah, thing and yep yeah, check the box and I got to move on to my next appointment and but like I can just imagine for you being in that situation and being like even you know that uh, we you know we always carry around our, our inner children with us. And this idea that, uh, oh, wow, the first person I open up to is just off to something else. Well, it also started that feeling I have as 
when I, I'm, I'm nervous about talking to people about it because a lot of people, a lot of people have turned away from me. Mm. And, um, because but, of, because of talking about it. So, so one thing that happened from her, her canceling the sessions was I had to find someone new. Yeah. And I had heard of this guy, Brad Peters, and I got an appointment with him. Within five minutes, I thought, this is the guy I've been waiting for for a long time. Nice. And he asked... It's a beautiful feeling. Well, he asked the questions right off the bat. And he said, do you ever notice you talk in second person? I said, what do you, what do you mean? Interesting. He said, when I ask you how you would feel, he said, you respond, well, you would feel that way. Mm. Not, I would feel that way. Yeah. He said, that's kind of a sign of someone who's had something in their childhood. Mm-hmm. This guy's good. So um, I've gone to him twice a week for eight years, and um, he lives, or his offices are right around the corner from me. So he's been phenomenal with me. Um, We've gone through everything, even to the place where so much of what happened to me did happen, and Mm. for me to try to get over it. And um, so, yeah, he's been been an amazing guy. And one thing he did last year, like. Um, I was sliding again to another depression and he was, he said, what, what can I do to help you? And I said, I just don't think there's anything you can do. I said, mm-hmm. like, I'm used to this. Like, I'll just get through it. Sounds rather. Um, he said, well, maybe I'm going to have to get you to move. I said, okay. So when I came in the next week, he had, uh, this is probably not good to say, but uh, he had boxing gloves. Oh, I, oh yeah. When you said to get you to move, I was thinking, for some reason, move, like, move, move like, I, I'm going to need you to move. <laughs> like, no yeah, way. Yeah, I've had enough of you. Uh, yeah. So when I came in, I boxing said, gloves. Boxing gloves. Like, which I'm excited for this part of the, like, because I, boxing has helped me tremendously with my own mental health. Oh, it's like, I just think there has to be like a boxing therapy clinic. Like, it's incredible. Absolutely. And when I went in, I said, you, you can't be serious. And he said, <laughs> he said, just, just play along with yeah. me. And so in each session, we had a little bit of boxing therapy, signed all the uh, documents needed. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I think the happiest day for him was when I actually hit him. And, uh, <laughs> and there is something kind of relieving about hitting your therapist. Um, <laughs> but he encouraged me to find a trainer. Mm-hmm. So I found this incredible uh, trainer, Daryl uh, Council, who's just this Zen guy. Amazing. Um, who I have boxing lessons with each week, mm-hmm. and I find it turns into a life lesson. Yeah. And, yep. um, you know, based on my background, being able to stand up and have confidence. And people and get. It is, it's an incredibly empowering. Oh, feeling it's 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 hard to describe really i mean for me people get the wrong impression too because i certainly had this feeling that it's all about aggression yes, and fighting yes, exactly and yeah it has nothing to do with that it, it, it's about confidence being able to hold yourself yep. uh straight and all those things and mm-hmm. um what helped me so much was every time i put the boxing gloves on um everything just the only thing i thought about was boxing and for somebody whose brain thinks about a million things at once and it's just turning 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 when things would stop that was like sports growing up it was my only escape was i would hit the soccer field and the only thing i think about was soccer for that 60 minutes and then i'd hate myself after but like during that 60 minutes it would just be bliss and boxing provided me the exact same thing yeah i've i've referred so many people to to i mean everyone finds their thing it may not yes, be boxing yeah. but when i um uh, when everything kind of fell apart for me 
and started kind of I started being honest about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, cycling became mm. my deal. Okay. And uh, again, um, a friend of mine took me. He said, "You really need to be doing something t- to stay active." So, um, I started cycling, and I never thought that that would ever be something for me. And I mm-hmm. always ended up calling it cycle therapy because um, <laughs> I ended up meeting this uh, guy who was. Uh, uh, a cycling coach mm-hmm. and uh, amazing guy. He's still a really good friend of mine. And uh, I went in to get tested was what it was. Like just test your speed and sure. strength, all those things. And uh, it's supposed to be for an hour. And we ended up talking for four hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, he'd had his own. Did you have no other appointments that day? Or? <laughs> no, just, he was just open. And uh, awesome. uh, at that time I had made a decision, which I wasn't happy about that. I was going to go into a clinic. Mm. Um, it had gotten to a point where I just didn't feel I could could function. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, but yeah, I didn't want to go. And my therapist wasn't really keen on me doing it. He thought I could handle it different ways. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking to Jeff, the the cycling coach, he said, "Look, I don't deal with private clients." He said, "But I will with you. Okay. So if you commit to me." He said, I will spend five days a week with you. I will wow. go cycling with you three times. We'll do hikes. I'd never hiked before. Yeah. Well, it was the most fun about Jeff was that, uh, he's not, he's still around. So what is the most fun <laughs> about Jeff is he has absolutely no sense of direction. Oh, so as a cycling coach. Yeah. So sounds like a red flag, but, but you know, <laughs> it, it has been open-minded more, uh, probably the most fun I've had That's is that awesome. um, he constantly would say, I wonder where that goes. Mm. And then we end up being completely and utterly lost. Mm. And uh, those have been some of the, the most harrowing and most fun experiences. Um, I can imagine, you know, just him not uh, being able to estimate how far something is, yeah. how long it'll take. And anyway, so he's, so I started cycling and I was at, at a time I was on the road and I was cycling mm-hmm. about probably 300 kilometers a week. And wow. I was um, much less than I am now. <laughs> but uh, um, I also became very obsessed with it. Mm. Um, cycling started as an escape, but then became this obsession. Mm. And did your relationship with it change as you yes. found it become an obsession? Yeah. Well, I get uh, I did get hit a couple times no uh, in a row. Oh, wow. And uh, that was... That was not, it was very unsettling. Yeah. And um, um, at that time, I found really difficult getting back on the bike. And because of like everything, all the computers on the, like I had the full deal. You had the, you had the setup, eh? Yep. The, all the computers on board, everything mm-hmm. like that. And I ended up taking them all off okay. and, and putting them away mm. and just going out on the bike. Mm. I still have my watch, which tracks sure everything but i can check that at the end yeah and i found that um that has gotten me back on mm-hmm. although um i'm mainly doing trail and uh nice. and mountain biking so with with the people that you did find in your life that resonated with you on kind of like that deeper human level that you found your people in this coach in your therapist what was it about those people that like like drew you to them but like that they made you feel comfortable say like was there anything that you can look at and go like oh like that that was something that stands out uh, I would say every one of them have their own past mm. 
and yeah. uh, that has been something that I don't know whether we know each other, <laughs> uh, but I would say that people who are closest to me, we each have our own background, mm -hmm. and uh, um, none the same, mm -hmm. but I really... I'm comfortable with people who are themselves. Mm, and authenticity. It, well, yeah. admit that whatever happens to them, they're not ashamed of it and that they talk about it. Um, so that seems to be the common thread. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also really difficult too because uh, I'm so used to um, not reaching out. That, uh, yeah, and, I get and, that. Yeah, and I isolate a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've had... A number of people, actually pretty much every friend I have, I'm really lucky that you know, when I'm going through something, I go through this list of people I can call. Mm -hmm. And I know there's so many people that are alone yeah. and, and don't have people. And I have this list of a dozen people who have all said, I'm there, yeah. just call me. Yep. But yet I won't. Mm. And I always come up with excuses as to they're too busy it's too late it's right. all these different things is it the is it the does it burden is that a burden. word that uh yeah i don't know. want to be a burden i'm because i know that was for me it was always oh i don't want to be a burden on these people they've got their own lives i don't want to i don't want to uh, infringe how many times i've said oh they've had enough of me yeah oh my like, god yeah uh, yeah they, they've heard this story 100%. before yep and um but yet even last weekend uh, i was talking to one of those friends and he said like you're making decisions for me. Oh, yes. And he said, like, let me make that decision. That, oh, and he said, yeah. I guarantee it won't be the decision you're thinking. And um, he said, if I call you, you are there. Yes. And he said, you, yeah. wouldn't, you don't even question it. And he said, so, so do the same for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, that, that meant a lot. Yeah. But I, again, like... <laughs> um, one of the funny things on Tuesday, if it was, uh, so that was the that was the unraveling day. Mm. And what if you don't if you don't mind, what does it look like when you start to feel that unravel? Like, what things are you noticing? What things are you doing differently? What emotions are coming up? Oh, I go completely up into my head. Yeah. Uh, it's just a spin of thoughts, and I can catastrophize. Yeah, being destitute, living on a street, like within two minutes. Yeah, and I'm going to lose everything. The, the difference this week which bothered me um, and I do question whether it has something to do with the withdrawal mm, is no. that it's usually I will ruminate about something specific or someone this week there would be something that would set me off but it would just go into a whirlwind of like it was just anxious about everything yeah. and mm. there was no there was no specific event and um I know on Tuesday, <laughs> I just thought, okay, you got to get out of here. You got to go for a hike. Yeah. So, and I, so I hike a lot. And um, so I was out for a hike. And I thought if I just had a sign, you know, that things would get better. Mm. It was like no more than two minutes. I get this text from a friend of mine saying like, how are you doing today? What's going on? And I did text back saying, I'm really struggling. And I got the call immediately that... You know, you're one of the strongest people. And I was, mm. oh, all these different things. And mm -hmm. I had a great conversation with her. I hang up and go, okay, I need another sign. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, how many people say, like, yeah. you're yeah. going to get through it. Like, anyway. Um, 
we had this one discussion in therapy because I was saying like I, I have a really I don't have a great sense of self worth mm. and yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it there. goes with the territory yeah but um, my therapist Brad was saying like you know people say wonderful things about you why mm. does that not resonate mm. I said well I don't know whether they mean it or not and he said like mm. do you respect these people well yes Oof. and he said so you're saying people that you respect would actually lie to you mm-hmm. or say something that wasn't true and mm-hmm. no and we did this, <laughs> this exercise and he said like if we were at if you were at your funeral mm-hmm. and he said 21 people did a eulogy saying always fun to remember when you're super depressed yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah he knows how to get there uh if you did a, like 21 people at a eulogy telling you how great you were mm-hmm. what would you probably say i said we well, i'd need 22 <laughs> it's like there's always like <laughs> like a little extra push yeah it doesn't seem to resonate and yeah as much as i try i really still struggle with that yeah. the most and trust is a huge issue for me with wow. people and i think we started talking earlier about um like people turning away yeah um i have to watch because my story is very much like getting hit by a fire hose and um there were a lot more things that happened beyond what i said but i mean mm-hmm. that's enough yeah yeah and uh I still think I should be over it by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, well, like there's yeah. people who have had one event that stays with them for a lifetime. A hundred percent. Where, yep. you know, mine unfortunately count into the hundreds. And yeah. that's had a significant effect on me and changed yeah. who I am. And um, when I started telling people, I found a lot of people turned away. And and that hurt a lot. Did they did they say anything or did they just? There were so many people who said, "Oh, like I'm going to lean in and be with you," and mm-hmm. that meant I'm never going to see you again. Oh man! And uh, I asked my therapist about it, and I loved his answer. He said, "There are people who are just simply uncomfortable with the conversation and can't have it." He said, "There's others that." you might be hitting home for them and it makes mm-hmm. them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he said, then there are people who are just assholes. Yeah. And I, yeah. good to know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, it's so... A good, yeah, it's a good reminder for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying now, trying, that when I meet somebody, um, I don't overload them with too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been writing about this for eight years, so... Mm-hmm. I find when I meet people now, a lot of people do know a fair bit about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I Is don't that, mind that. I was going to, I was just going to say like, how do you feel about that? Because I even get sometimes with like the podcast and stuff and some people like I share some pretty intimate stuff on yeah. this, on this show and knowing that when people are like, Oh, I love the podcast and stuff like that. I'm like, this person knows some stuff about me that like I didn't share for like a very long time. And like, we're not like particularly close. Like, so it's a, it's something that like I'm, I'm still becoming kind of comfortable with. Like, how does it, how does it feel for you when sometimes the idea of the reputation gets there before you do? In a way it's freeing. Yeah. Um, like I said, I spent years and years hiding it mm. and suppressing it. Like it's wonderful. Really trying to ensure no one ever 
asked the wrong question and I still have people who like knew me years ago said like you never showed anything yeah and I said not in front of you yes yes but when I was home or when I was on my own like I was a wreck mm -hmm. like Oh, there we go. With the podcast. Yeah, nice, nice little uh, punch. <laughs> plug, plug for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I And I question at times, like I do public speaking around this. I do um, the weekly post. And, and I do question myself as to why do I keep doing this? Mm -hmm. And am I looking for attention? Am I, what am I looking for? Mm. And uh, I do find that there are still so many people who can't talk mm. and who who don't feel comfortable sharing what happened to them yeah and when i do get those and i i'm lucky that i get a lot of re positive response from mm -hmm. people it does feel good yes. and in some yes. ways i think it helps me it, um 100 yeah i find that this has helped me tremendously i think so like um this should be conversations we can have anyway i know yeah. And uh, it, there, yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't need a, a laptop and a couple of mics and yeah, that kind of stuff. No, it just it, it should be something that we can talk about. But I've had a lot of people also be nervous about what they can tell me. Mm -hmm. uh, family were the toughest, and one of the biggest things I think that's been so in the last year as well. I I guess in one way I've kind of divorced myself from my family. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people knew what happened to me and did not um, do anything. Yeah. And uh, finding out about that has been oh. really uh, um, difficult. Yeah. And uh, also that um, some of my family members are still friends with Mm, yeah the one person who who um molested me for for three years uh, and um i i don't understand that yeah and uh so i just found that um having conversations was uh was difficult and mm -hmm. uh my dad passed away uh today's anniversary of his passing he oh. died uh 15 years ago my mom passed away four years ago and uh i never ever did tell them uh wow. and did they did they know through other sources i believe so mm. um so no one has ever told me clearly um but I think you know one reason last weekend was tough is it's a it's a holiday weekend and mm -hmm. I find holiday weekends incredibly difficult for me. Um, there's this ideal of what these weekends are like that people are surrounded by friends and family and yeah. there's laughing and everyone's happy and you know, I've heard many times people say like oh it's not like that like we're with family but it's not like you're thinking mm -hmm. it is still from the other side it feels like that yeah but i stopped when my mom passed away i thought well there's no one else i need to really put on anything for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i spend christmas on my own yeah and uh yeah. to be honest like i have lots of friends who will, will invite me over and i said like 
I'm I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Mm-hmm. And to a great extent, I need that space mm-hmm. at yeah. that time. And you know, what I like a relationship. Yeah, I would. Although I'm, I've only had a few since I came out. So when I came out, I just slammed the doors open about everything. So <laughs> I found that was that was easier. Mm. Um, but I do find when. Um, when I share my full story, that's mm-hmm. scares somebody pretty mm. pretty much. Like it's how much can they handle? And I right. so I find I haven't been able to 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 find that relationship. And um, my yeah, therapist said that I that I'm alone with dignity. Well, that's that's a great life. Well, and uh, <laughs> then a friend, that's kind of one of those. Thanks. Like, <laughs> well, a friend of mine who's who's also gay said, "Yeah, but you're living with integrity." I said, "Great." So I'm alone with dignity and living with integrity. Like that is, that's, yeah, awesome. That's warm and friendly Good descriptors. <laughs> yeah. So it basically means I'm alone. Mm. So when when you do find yourself kind of in these um, really difficult times do you now kind of feel like you've got a bit of a, a grasp on like the things, the steps you need to take to, to feel a little bit better or is it still, it's still, you know, it's still a fight. It's still a mess. Yeah. Like, uh, I've had two occasions where, uh, I did try to commit suicide mm-hmm. just to a point where I remember both of them very clearly and they, uh, one was not that long ago, mm-hmm. um, that I just simply couldn't see things ever changing. Yeah that there was really no reason mm-hmm. um someone in my family said that's a selfish i've had oh my god yeah yeah that's a yeah, age-old rhetoric it's it's anything but that yeah. yep um in fact you think you're going to make it better for everybody yeah and you know mental illness is definitely something that is prevalent in my family and i've had um, three cousins now who have committed suicide and um, there's many that are in depression issues mm-hmm. and um, I'm also not the only one who was molested so there are, there's a number of us so yeah. these things sadly are, are out there mm-hmm. and uh, but now I think what bothers me too Kyle is like this week I thought I would have been better at mm, this yes like that I, expectation I should I should yeah that. well I've yeah. got a degree in psychology like like one of the things I did when um, I, I came out with everything and, and really worked through it all is that I really want to understand mm-hmm. so I took a degree in psychology so it's not like I don't know what's going on and mm-hmm. I read all the time and like I actually speak about this and but yet it's funny I, I talked to a friend uh, Thursday I was talking about Tuesday and she said was there a part of you that was still there mm-hmm. and I said yes mm-hmm. I said there there was that part of me that was still there that knew okay you were out of control um, that's the part that got me out of the house that's mm-hmm. the part that, that got me moving to do a few things mm-hmm. but I can't stop it um, as much as I know like Again, I find it really hard to talk to people at those times because what's going on in my mind is irrational. Yes. And you can almost see the look on the other person's face like, 
okay, this hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. This may never happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole, okay, you're talking logic at yeah. a time when I am anything but logical. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I don't always reach out is that it's also a struggle to explain what's going on and why. Mm. And I always tell people, and it's the same for me, like what helps the most is um, to just ask me questions and listen. Well, what more could you ask for? Yeah. Don't, don't, ugh, I've had so many people that have said, I know just what you need to do. No, you don't. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the um, fix, the quick the fix. fix. Hey, go for a jog. Drink great glasses of water. Take your vitamins. <laughs> it's it's well intended. Yes. But completely and utterly misinformed. Mm-hmm. And you're also discounting what's going on with me. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it's people are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And they do want to help. And, yeah. But they often will say things, of course, that would be helpful for them. Yes. And we're all different people. And particularly with mental illness, it's unique to, to the person. Mm-hmm. So there's that and then you also get the well everyone has you know blue days yes really like okay that's what you got for me yeah um everyone has bad days i mean like like you said what you're saying objectively true helpful not particularly or some people have it much worse than you oh my yes caught that was always the one that would that was one of the toughest things for me to hear when i was growing up it was just you're but you're so fortunate you've got so many great things going on in your life i'm like yeah but i'm like i'm like days away from just like you like yeah i know other people do have it objectively much worse but like it's not it's not what what benefit is that to me to keep that in mind the world's a shitty place there's a lot of people who've got shit situations it is and it's all it's almost like are you are you trauma shaming me like because (laughs) like uh like i'm not comparing what i have to anybody um I think so much comes down to just a lack of comfort in talking about it and wanting it to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it also, it, it, I know for me, it keeps making me feel that I am damaged mm-hmm. yeah, and that, that I'm broken, that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I hear that other people have it worse than me, like, yeah. I know that. Yes. Um, and I've talked to my therapist about it, who has such a great you know, perspective in that. He said, but it's very real to you, and it's very serious for you. And he said, everybody has their situations, but it's relevant and relative to them. Beautiful. Beautiful. I cannot express how much those kind of conversations, that conversation with Michael filled my cup. And listening back to it in the moment, I remember leaving the Michael's home and feeling so energized and just and appreciative. And I feel the exact same way now. Michael, I cannot thank you enough for, for taking the time and sharing your story with us today, um, for being a part of this community and for, for the, the tremendous work that you're doing um, in the, the mental health space. It just, that conversation just felt special. You know, it, there was, there was vulnerability, accountability, authenticity amongst men. And we got, we got, we got to share in that. And then we got to share it with you. And so 
that just that you know felt special to me. Um, if you want to hear more of my conversation with Michael, you can you can get an additional twenty minute video podcast um, over on our Patreon. That's our exclusive content. And uh, if you think that there's somebody in your life who would benefit from hearing Michael's story, uh, make sure to share this episode with them. And uh, if you want to get more involved with the Lifestrike community, join our Wednesday night lives over on at Lifestrike Podcast. Uh, I hope that this chat has inspired you to continue to explore the world of mental health. Um, start some conversations of your own with the people in your life. You know, celebrate the beautiful wrecks that we all are. And just remember that through all of it, the highs and lows, ups and downs, good days and bad days, that life's a wreck. And I'll see you in two weeks. Zarek.